Well, hey, welcome back. I say back because hopefully you were with us for the first week in this series uh, that we're calling Seasons of the Soul. If, if you weren't, if this is your first week, number one, totally fine. Number two, glad to have you, but I would encourage you uh, to go back and watch at least maybe the first half of last week's online message uh, because what we really did is unpack the idea for the series. And again, like I said, we're calling it Seasons of the Soul. And the idea there is that all of us, right, no matter how old you are, how young you are, where you're at in life, we all go through seasons in life. Some of those seasons uh, align closely with stages of life. Uh, sometimes we go through multiple seasons in the same year. And I think those seasons of life that we go through are really closely tied to the seasons that the earth goes through, spring, summer, fall, and winter. And so what we are doing in this series is looking at what God does in our lives during those seasons. Uh, last week, we spent some time in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let me read uh, one more time uh, for you, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 from the New English Translation. This is what it says. For everything there is an appointed time and an appropriate time for every activity on earth. And that idea of appointed time is a time of seasons, right? That God has appointed seasons in the year, and during those seasons, because they are appointed by God, there are appropriate activities that go with them. So the spring, the appropriate activity is to plant. Uh, fall, the appropriate activity is to harvest and so forth. And so the idea in this series is that we need to know how God uses these specific seasons in our lives so that we can better walk with him as he uses those seasons to grow us and shape us. And that was the point. Last week, we looked at spring. And the idea behind spring is that it's a season of beginnings, of anticipation. Uh, spring is all about newness, excitement, and growth. And, and we talked about that. I won't give it all away. Uh, but today we're going to shift forward a season and look at summer. If spring really is about that newness, excitement, growth, beginnings, then summer is about figuring out how we continue that growth until we're ready for the harvest come fall. Right, I think the two big uh, seasons are harvest in the fall, planting in the spring. Well, summer is making sure that we get from spring to fall, that we continue that season of growth. I think in summer, one of the things that we recognize most in the earth is that, you know, the days are long. That's the longest point of daylight that we have in the year, those summer days. And sometimes it makes for a lot of fun and freedom. We can do a lot of stuff. Um, if you're working, especially outside, those days can not just be long, but really hot and really tired. So in summer, we see that the days are, are getting longer but it seems like the season goes by fast. I remember, you know, as a kid that, man, the, the days of summer, we look forward to them all year, but then they go away so quickly and it's right back for school. I think even more crazy is they go by quicker in summer. We wait for summer where the kids be out of school and, man, then they're right back in it before we realize. So in summer, uh, the days are long but they go by so quick. And so I think for us, as we think of season of the soul, summer's about finding a healthy rhythm in our lives that can get us through that long season. And that's what we're going to talk about today, really kind of finding a rhythm to get us through that long season of our life. And today we're going to answer some of the same questions that we tried to answer last week about spring, and this time just look at summer. So our first question is, um, well, what does God do during summer? I think primarily during summer, God provides us opportunities for work 
and for rest. Uh, and we have to do a good job of recognizing those opportunities. Uh, but I think to understand that, let's kind of look at God's purpose behind both work and rest. So what is God's purpose behind work? Well, I think work is first and foremost a part of God's good design in the world. That may be a foreign concept, that work is part of God's original design, but it 100% is. Uh, We can look at that and see that God gave Adam a job before sin ever entered the world. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. So before sin comes, in Genesis chapter 3, God gives Adam a job in Genesis chapter 2. I think we go back to Ecclesiastes and we see very clearly that we are meant as human beings to find satisfaction and purpose in our work. The author of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 2 verse 24 that there's nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I've seen that even this is from God's hand. Sounds kind of weird, right? Because we hear eat, drink, and think be merry. But he says eat, drink, and enjoy your work. Find satisfaction in your work. Um, Tim Keller says this, The fact that God put work in paradise is startling to us because we so often think of work as a necessary evil or even punishment. Right? Like if we had the opportunity, we wouldn't work at all. And we chase after retirement as early as we can so that we don't have to work anymore. But work is part of God's good plan for the world. However, something has went wrong with our work, which makes us see it as more of a necessary evil. The truth is, uh, the truth is, is that sin has broken our work. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, after sin enters the world, this is what God says in Genesis 3 verse 17. And he said to the man, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to the dust." So work is part of God's original good plan for us. It was meant to be something that we enjoy. However, when sin broke the world, it broke our work. And now work is not always enjoyable. It's difficult. It takes the sweat of our brow, right, to to make this happen. Um, And also, because work is broken, that's why if we go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, just before Solomon says in 24 that, man, there's nothing better than enjoying your work, the beginning part of chapter 2, he says he hates his work because it seems pointless to him. Work is part of God's good design, but sin has broken it. Well, what about rest? Well, rest, I think it's important to remember, is not just something that is a result of being tired because God himself is a God of work and a God of rest. God himself rests. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. It says, So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. And on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. So God rested. Why did God rest? I think, number one, we have to say it's not because he was tired. God does not grow tired. He does not grow weary. He does not sleep. We see this over and over again in the scriptures. So why did God rest? I think God rested to provide a pattern for us later on. And we'll see that in a few minutes. Um, But I also think that God rested because God resting was a part of the enjoyment of his work. 
After God completed his work in six days, he rested on the seventh to observe it, to reflect upon it, to enjoy it, and say it was good. C.S. Lewis and his book, A Grief Observed, kind of makes a point, and I'm paraphrasing here, that something in our lives is not complete until it's been remembered, and until it's been remembered, it can't be fully enjoyed, right? So rest is a part of that. It helps us to remember our work, to reflect on our work, to enjoy our work. Um, but again, I think the other part of rest is not just for God himself, but that God gives us rest as a gift for our good and to remind us of his glory. Remember, I said that God rested on the seventh day as a pattern for us later on. That pattern principle is known as the Sabbath. And look at what uh, Deuteronomy has to say about the Sabbath in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Be careful to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You're to labor six days, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Don't do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or donkey, any of your livestock or the resident alien who lives within your city gates, so that your male and female slaves may rest as you do. Remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So again, God himself rested on the seventh day to provide a pattern that later on we would rest on the seventh day. And we rest on the seventh day as we not only reflect on our work and enjoy it, but to remember who God is and what he himself has done. It's a gift from God. Jesus says it this way in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And if you grew up in a church where the Sabbath principle was very strict, you may think that the Sabbath is not so much a gift as it is a restriction. But I think we see clearly it is a gift. It is a gift from God for us to rest, to enjoy our work, and to remember who He is and what He's done. So when we look at summer and what God does during summer, it is in those long summer days that God gives us opportunities to work and opportunities to rest. So... Second question then, how do I tell if I'm in summer? Right now, if I'm in summer, how would I know? Uh, well, I would say, start here, the days are long, right? You, you just find yourself like the days feel so long in summer. And there's, there's always more to do, right? It just seems like as much as you get done, there's always another thing waiting to be done. The work just keeps going. And you find yourself growing weary because there's so much to do. And as long as the days feel and you come home exhausted, there's just more to do when you wake up in the morning. Um, honestly, I think this micro season of summer is the season that we find ourselves in more often. Like There are springs and there are falls and surely there are winters. But I think throughout uh, the year, we're probably in summer, quote unquote, more than we are in any of these others. And I think because of that, summer may be the hardest season to recognize as a season. It's hard because summer really just feels like everyday life. Summer feels like just the normal routine of our day-to-day -day week. But the truth is, just like spring, this is just a season. Summer's a season, and it won't last forever. So, third question. What are some of the dangers of summer? And I think this is a big danger. We saw some dangers in spring that seems like all fun, 
But in summer, there's some legitimate dangers as well. And maybe we could say it like this. When it comes to summer, work is important. When it comes to summer, rest is important. But too much of either is a problem and can be dangerous. Let's look at what the scripture says about too much work. Psalm 127 verses 1 and 2 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. And then he says, In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food, yet he gives sleep to the one he loves. The idea here is that when all we do is work and work and work and work, in the end it doesn't matter unless we're working with and for the Lord. So what Solomon means when he says he hates his work in the beginning of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Too much work, apart from God's design for our life, is futile and empty. Look at this again, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. He says, don't wear yourself out to get rich because you know better. Stop. I mean, I wish it would be plainer than that, right? Well, it can't be. Don't work too much just to succeed, just to get rich. Stop. You know better. This is what Tim Keller says. I think it's so good. He says, if you make any work the purpose of your life, even if that work is church ministry, you create an idol that rivals God. And the truth is, when we work too much, we fall into a dangerous place and create an idol of success and riches and material possessions. That's dangerous. Okay? But too much rest is also dangerous. Look at what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 6, 6 through 11. It says, Go look at the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in the summer. It gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like abandoned. The idea here is that if we rest too much, it's just a little bit, but if we rest too much, we're going to wind up in ruin because work is necessary. Okay? Now, now here's the thing. If we're not careful here, we're going to give ourselves a pass that we really don't deserve. We'll say something like, well, Chip, I'm not lazy. I wish I had time to lay around, uh, but I'm so busy I can't stand it. And the truth is, you may be busy, but what you are busy with is trips, kids' activities, parties, hobbies. You may not be lazy, but what has happened is you've made leisure, pleasure, fun. You've made experiences your work. And so it may not be work as God intended it. It's really what should be rest, but you've turned your rest and your pleasure into work, and you're in, in it way too much. Just listen to what the scriptures say about those who chase hard after the pleasures of this life. This is, I've got four, just, just listen. Isaiah 5.11 Woe to those who rise early in the morning in pursuit of beer, who linger to the evening inflamed with wine. Titus 2.11-12 For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godliness, uh, godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. 
1 John chapter 2, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Or the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 8, verse 14. As for the seed that fell among thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures in life, and they produce no mature fruit. See, I think over and over again in Scripture, we see that when we make leisure, when we make pleasure, when we make uh, experiences our work, when we make rest our work, we mess up God's plan for our lives. The truth is, many of you right now feel the pressure to do all the hobbies, to take your kids to all the sports, to make sure you go to all the events, and you go and do, and you go and do, and you go and do, trying to get the most out of every moment in this life, and in so doing, you're wrecking your life. You're hurting your family. You're hurting your relationships. You're hurting your finances. Listen, the truth is, If we really do believe in, and if we really are living for a life that is to come, we don't have to fight to squeeze every drop out of this one. It's okay to just rest. As a matter of fact, when we go back all the way to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, when it says that God rested from his work, the idea behind that word is that it ceased, it stopped. When we say that you need to rest, that means you need to stop. Not just what you get paid for, but even those things that are killing you because you're chasing after something you're never really going to find. I like what uh, John Mark Comer, he's written a lot about work and rest. This is what he says. He says, both underwork and overwork rob us of the capacity to enjoy God and his world. And again, Tim Keller, overwork and underwork both violate the nature of God's design and lead to breakdown. To violate the rhythm of work and rest in either direction leads to chaos in our life and in the world around us. So the danger of summer is that we lean too hard into work or even too hard into rest. So in light of that, last question will be done. What then do we do during summer? If God is providing opportunities for work and rest, but it's dangerous to lean too hard into either one, what do we do? Here's what we do. We build a healthy rhythm of work and rest. And and honestly, a healthy rhythm of work and rest and worship. We'll see that in just a minute. And I think that the phrase here is not find a balance in work and rest. It really is find a healthy rhythm because balance kind of makes us feel like we have to have 50-50 of each. That's just not true because there's some seasons in our lives where you really need to lean into work a little more. And there's some seasons in life when you need to lean into rest a little more. The important thing is not that they're always properly balanced, but that we find a healthy rhythm. And part of that healthy rhythm is being able to put this, both work and rest, into the right perspective. And I think that right perspective is that when we work, we're working to join God in His good plan and purpose in our life and for our world, right? When we work, we work because this is what He's called us to. And then when we rest, we're resting to remind ourselves that there is a God and it's not us. We rest to enjoy what God has given us. We rest to enjoy what God has allowed us to accomplish. Tim Keller 
says that there's a symbiotic relationship between work and rest, right? Uh, and the idea here is that we work, but we can't enjoy our work till we rest. And when we rest, we get that enjoyment, new perspective on our work that refreshes and refuels us to go and work again. And then we stop and rest to get that perspective. So this, this idea of work and rest, it's a rhythm, it's a relationship, it's something that we have to build into our lives. And I say build because you're never going to drift into a healthy rhythm of work and rest. Nobody just accidentally drifts toward this healthy rhythm because the truth of the matter is, is that we are all inclined one way or the other. Some of us are inclined more to overwork. Some of us are inclined more to too much rest. None of us are going to naturally build a healthy rhythm. We have to strive for it. We have to build it. And here's what I want you to know. As you think about how you can build a healthy rhythm of work and rest into your life during the season of summer, let me just say that the most fruitful and most fulfilling rhythms in your life are always built on Jesus. Talking about work and rest, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, because I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he says, hey, you'll find rest by taking my yoke. Yoke is a picture of work. It's what oxen wore before they went to the field. But here's the thing. In Jesus, our work can be restful. And in Jesus, we need to work to make sure we're resting in him. And so that's what Jesus tells us. He says, come, take, learn. Come to me to find your rest. Take my yoke on you and work with me and learn how your work and your rest can all roll up into worship. When we work, we work to honor Jesus. When we rest, we rest to honor Jesus. When we work, we uh, work for Jesus. When we rest, we rest in Jesus. So the rhythm here, what rhythm are you building? Right now, what rhythm are you building in your life that is going to sustain you through the long days of summer, right? It's a grind. The days come and they come and they come and the time goes by fast, but we need to make sure that we're not dead at the end of the season. So what rhythms are you building into your life for the long days of summer? Let me give you two words of advice. Number one, just focus in that rhythm. What I mean by that is lean in to where you are, whether it's a season of work or rest. Uh, Pastor AJ from our Lake City location says, be where your body's at. If it's a season of work, man, be there. Be, be present. Focus. If it's a season of rest, be there. Be present. Focus. And then second, not just focus, but follow. Really strive to see Jesus as the recipient of your work and strive to see Jesus as the giver of your rest. That will change both. When he's the recipient of your work, you're going to work differently. When he's the giver of your rest, you're going to rest differently. And both will roll up to worship. Let me leave you with one more scripture. I know we've looked at it a ton. I think they're all so good. But let me just leave you with this one. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, maybe we can paraphrase, whether you work or rest in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for the opportunities you provided for us to work. God, I thank you for the opportunities you provided for us to rest. 
I pray that you would help each of us to build healthy rhythms in our life of both. And that as we work, we would work for you. As we rest, we would receive it as a gift from you. So that through our work and through our rest, we may worship in both. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.